You guys ready for week two of the Way of Jesus series of talks, kicking it off? Um, uh, what we're doing over these next few weeks, we're going to be leaning in together uh, into the Word of God, really as a place of checking and strengthening the foundations that we're building our lives on. And uh, the anchor passage of Scripture for us throughout this series is Matthew 7, and it starts in verse 21. This is Jesus speaking. He says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Everybody say rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew, and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on what? Sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. And we said this together last week, but I want to say it together again this week. Foundations matter. Foundations matter. For the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some tensions in culture. They can start to distort our understanding of God and in turn put cracks in the foundation of our faith. And then when the rain comes down and the flood waters rise and the wind starts to blow, as we face some real challenges in real life, right? Like some mega disappointments, like abuse, like pain, like fear, like abandonment, like betrayal. If the foundation of our faith, if the foundation of what we believe about God, the foundation of our understanding of who Almighty God is has been fractured by the blending of what we like about God and what we like about culture, things will begin to shake. My hope for me and my hope for you is that in this year, 2024, our foundations will be stronger than they've ever been so that no matter what life throws at us, it will not be too much. Amen? Anybody else want a strong foundation going into this year? Um, you know, being a, a pastor of a young church, a lot of the uh, opportunities I get to have um, are a blast. One of which is I get to do a lot of weddings. Now, some of you have heard me say this before, but there is nothing that puts more fear in my soul than performing a wedding. Uh, I have stood on stages of thousands of people. I've been in full stadiums of people. I've had thousands of eyeballs looking back at me, and I'm absolutely confident that God is going to do something. But a wedding, I am freaked out. And here's why. Because you don't want to be remembered when you perform a wedding. Right? And, and less, 
you're the couple that's getting married at the reception, if I can walk through the reception and no one even says a word to me, I did my job. Because if you remember the officiant of a wedding, they did something wrong. They said the wrong name. They fell down. They set something on fire, right? Like, so I am so nervous when I do weddings, especially if I don't really know the people, I get even more nervous because I feel like I, I, it's like they're taking a risk on me, right? And I don't want to screw up in any way, shape, or form. And, and there was this one wedding that I did. It was with a couple that, that I didn't know very well. And of course... It was on some obscure ranch somewhere, right, that didn't even have an address. So the rehearsal dinner was at this obscure ranch. And so the bride sends me a pin, be here, 6 p.m. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm at my house. I put it in Google Maps. Boom. Get it? Great. I'm going to leave 30 minutes early because I don't want to be late, right? I don't want them to have anything uh, just have a memory that the officiant, the pastor, this pastor guy screwed everything up, right? So I take off, and of course, I hit traffic, but I look at my ETA, and I'm, I'm looking good. And I'll never forget Siri telling me, turn left, you have arrived at your destination. And I look, and I turn onto this little dirt road, and there's a locked gate. I'm like, oh, that's kind of strange, but, you know, as you do when you're overly confident like myself, I just let myself in the gate. <laughs> and I'm driving, you know, and the, like Siri said, turn left, your destination will be on your left. And so I'm driving down this dirt road, and there is no, I mean, I am in a pasture. There is nothing, nothing. And then I hear, you have arrived at your destination. And I look around, I'm like, I have not arrived anywhere. Like, the only thing I've arrived at is about 200 head of cattle surrounding my truck, thinking I'm getting ready to feed them. So I call the bride, and I've said, hey, I'm so sorry. Like, the pen has taken me. I, I promise I follow the directions, but, like, I don't think there's no sign. Do I keep driving? Is it further down? And she said, oh, no, I sent you that pen? That's the wrong one. Let me send you the right one. So then I put the right pin. Of course, it's 45 minutes away. Okay? Now, I had arrived on time, but I had arrived in the wrong place. So now, I have to about face, get off. I'm trespassing, too, by the way. Now, it's like, okay, like I'm breaking all kinds of laws. Drive down this road. Make sure I lock the gate back because I'm like, you know, apologize to everybody. Hey, if anybody sees this, I'm so sorry. Right? And then I'm 45, almost an hour late to the rehearsal dinner. Now, look, everything ended up fine. It, it was great. But, look, I just want to kind of clear the air a little bit. That was not my fault. <laughs> okay? Like, they, 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 that, that was not... That was not on me, man. Like, like, how in the world could I end up in the right place if I'm heading to the wrong destination? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it makes no sense at all. None of you will hear that story and go, J.D., you should have been in the right place. Because where I was heading was not even close to where I actually wanted to be. Now, look, none of you think that makes any sense at all 
to think that I could go here and think I'm going to end up there. None of you thinks that makes any sense in any way, shape, or form until I change it from directions to the path of salvation. Now, we don't like that logic as much. We don't like the logic of you can be heading here and end up there. We throw that out the window because what's loud in culture right now is that don't all roads lead to heaven? Aren't all religions taking us basically to the same thing? Aren't we all going to end up in the same place, right? God is loving. And here's the, the truth is that these, these questions are not new. These questions are found in the Bible. These questions are found in almost every historical text ever written that wrestles with the idea of God. But what is different about asking them now Versus even just 50 years ago, is that our culture has shifted. And in that shift in culture, it doesn't change the answers to these questions. But it can help us understand why maybe now more than ever we find ourselves resistant to answer these questions. And that shift, can, can I go teacher JD real quick? That shift started with a group of philosophers in 1970 when they began to reject and question reason and logic. And this has become known as postmodernism, and the effects of this shift in philosophy and thinking has had a profound impact on our culture. A lot of what we would say is normal thought was birthed out of this movement. And one of these ideas that's had an impact on all of us is that postmodernists reject that there is an objective, natural reality. They reject this claim. And what the objective, natural reality means is that we can look at what's happening in our world and separate ourselves from it so that we can then explore objectively those things and make assumptions or judgments about them. Postmodernists reject that idea and say to even think that you can do that is simply naive. According to postmodern is postmodern thought the idea of there being an objective natural reality is what they would call a conceptual cultural construct. Something that we have created, and this idea doesn't just apply to scientific findings, but also our understanding and study of historical findings. And the progression of rejecting natural reality leads to there being nothing that is objectively true or false, ultimately making the claim that there is no such thing as truth. 
Now, we hear echoes of this often. You might not have known the history of how we got there, but that sounds really familiar because we hear it all the time. How many of you remember the explosion that happened that, was, that has been called the Me Too movement, right, where women were starting to publicize horrible things that had happened to them, and this awareness movement of sexual abuse and sexual harassment exploded across the country, but what was being said about these women displays how postmodern thought has become our cultural thought because it was said, aren't they brave to share their truth? Not the truth. Aren't they brave to share their truth? Because you can't share the truth if there is no objective truth. And you combo that with the explosion of political leaders saying fake news and then people making mistakes in the news and then a pandemic and widespread impact of alternative facts and social media creating tribalism like anything, like nothing we've ever seen uh, before. A large part of our society bases now what they think is true, not on facts, but on what they believe the truth is about those facts. Meaning that if you don't like the facts, you just say, all good, that's not my truth. I don't like that news. That's okay. That's fake news. And we're all affected by this, all of us. No matter who you are, this way of thinking has impacted all of us in some way, shape, or form. Here's a statistic that blew me away. There was just a study done recently by a group looking at what's happening in religion in America. And this is what they found. Did an extensive study. And found that 70%, 70% of born-again Christians, evangelical believers, that's what we would be here at Antioch, born-again Christians disagree with the biblical position that Jesus is the only way to God. 70% of Christians disagree with the biblical statement, the biblical truth that Jesus is the only way to God. No matter that Jesus said it of himself in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That statistic is the impact, it's the fruit of sand getting into the foundation of our faith. If the sand of thinking that there is no truth sneaks its way into our belief system, that sand can tempt us to move from seeing Jesus' words as truth to a Truth that I can accept or reject based on what I want to call truth. 
I'm not an expert in world religions, but even in my limited understanding of them, to think that all roads lead back to the same place is the same as thinking that I was going to end up in the right place at that rehearsal dinner, even though I was being guided in the wrong direction. The clearest way to see this is through looking at how the biggest religions in our day see Jesus and see his death and resurrection. And here's, here's what I mean. Muslims believe that Jesus was a prophet of God, but that he was not God. And they believe that he didn't die on the cross, but was taken to heaven before the cross. Hindus have given Jesus a place of one of their gods and teachers, but they don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. To Hindus, Jesus is still in the grave. And for Christians, for us, Christians believe that Jesus, Jesus wasn't a prophet, but was fully God and fully man. And that his death on the cross was the most pivotal moment in his life and ministry on the earth. Because we believe that the cross was the exclamation point on God's rescue mission of the earth. Jesus dying on the cross and then conquering sin and death in an act of his resurrection was for the purpose of restoring relationship with us. These religions are not telling us the same thing, and therefore they are not leading us to the same place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 1 Timothy 2 says it this way, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. There is one God. There is one mediator between us and God, and his name is Jesus, and he wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of that truth. That's a hard line. That's hard. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for me. Let's keep it real, right? Like, if I was God and I'm not, I think I'd be a little bit more soft on that, you know? But God is love, but God is righteous. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This can make us feel uncomfortable. The tension is real, but that doesn't make it not true. It doesn't make it not true. And here's the real consequence of the sand of universalism sneaking into the foundations of our faith. If we don't believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, 
and that no one gets to the Father. No one enters into heaven to experience eternal life with God without believing in him and in him alone. If we reject that, then we reject the need to share that gospel. Think about that. If there is no need to know Jesus for salvation, why then would we share the message of Jesus if we don't need salvation? It doesn't make any sense. Paul wrote this in Romans 10 verse 9. That we need to declare with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. For it's with our heart that you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. If we don't believe that that is true, then we don't need to tell anybody about that. And that's the real consequence of the sand getting into our foundation of this universalistic thinking. If it didn't matter, why would Jesus' last words on the earth before he ascended to heaven be, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. If salvation isn't surrendering our life to Jesus the one who gave his life for us, then the gospel, the story, the most powerful thing that's ever happened on the earth starts to become maybe a moving story to us, but not the power of God for salvation for us. Are you still with me? And it is this truth that Jesus is who he says that he is and does what he says he is going to do that has been the fuel for the church since Jesus' resurrection until now to be a people that share this good news that Jesus saves. To proclaim that there is a God in heaven that loves them so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, from heaven to earth, not to condemn the world, but to save it. Most of what we know as the New Testament is the people of God doing just that, going out into the world, declaring this good news of who Jesus was and what he did and what that means for us. Again, Paul spoke to this in Romans 1 when he said this in verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life, and no one gets to the Father except through him. So the question for us becomes, how do we fight against the temptation of the sand of universalism making its way into the foundation of our faith? How do we fight against that cultural pull that is so real right now that we've all been affected by it and you definitely all have heard something like that? 
So here it is. Foundation strengthening tip number three. If you were here last week, you know we got foundation strengthening tip number one. How many of you remember what that is? We even made it easy, man. It's not, it's not even hard. You don't even have to remember. Just fake it. I know it's back there, but you can pretend I don't know it's back there, and you can just read it. Right? Foundation strengthening tip number one. We have to be where? In the Word. We got to know the book. We have to be a people of the Word of God. Foundation strengthening tip number two. We live our lives in light of the word. That means that our lifestyles should reflect what we are learning and what we believe. That we should look, smell, be different than the world. We're in it, but we're not of it. Foundation strengthening tip number one, we have to be in the word. Foundation strengthening tip number two, we have to be a people that live the word. Foundation strengthening tip number three. How many of you are impressed that I said that without stuttering? Come on now. If you were here last week, I was struggling, but I've been practicing. Yeah, go ahead. Give me the snaps. I see you, girl. I see you. Thank you. Foundation strengthening tip number three. We have to live in community with accountability. We have to live in community with Accountability, Proverbs 21, verse 2. A person may think their own way is right, but the Lord weighs the heart. A person may think their own way is right, but the Lord weighs the heart. It's hard to fight against the sand of the popular thoughts and ideas of culture from infiltrating our foundation when we're trying to do it alone. We were never, we were never intended to do life alone. The only time in the story of God creating the earth when he said that something wasn't good, it was when man was alone. We have been made in the image of God for relationship with him and to have relationship with one another. Ephesians 3 verse 10 says his intent Meaning God's intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. As we come together, as we come together as the church, the body of Christ, our understanding of God gets clearer because we are stronger together. We need each other. That's why we want all of you to find a home in a life group. Because it's where you can come with your questions and your tensions and your thoughts into a body of believers. That together you can lean into the word of God and find strength in the truth of what God says. And it is in that place of strength you will be able to resist the pull of the thoughts of culture. And if you want to have a little back pocket test, just a little pull it out if you need to, to, to test if there's any sand that's made its way into your foundation, here's one that you can just kind of run on it yourself. If you are resistant 
to people speaking truth to you. And you pull away to find other groups of people who will agree with you instead of challenge you according to what the Bible says as you wrestle through some big hard questions in your faith. If you pull away versus lean in, there might be some sand making its way in to your foundation. Because we have to live in community with accountability to make sure that we are building on the rock. Ephesians 4 verse 11 says this, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and to become mature, attaining the full measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ For him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We cannot stand alone. We are made to stand together. We cannot stand alone. We are made to stand together. Yes, the winds of the thoughts of culture are strong and Loud, but it is if our foundation is on the rock, if we are a people in the word who live the word and walk in community with people, the rains will come down, the waters will rise, the wind will blow, but we will not fall because we are building our lives on the rock. Amen. Do me a favor, stand to your feet. Throughout this entire series, we are going to be providing for you access to resources that can deepen your understanding of some of the things that we're going to be leaning into. We know that this is a short amount of time. Uh, We can't get into everything and address every question and lean into every nick and cranny. But there's a lot of resources that can help you in your pursuit of seeing the foundation of your faith strengthened as we are saying we don't want the sand of culture to dilute us, to weaken us, and then make us susceptible to not being able to stand against the wind and the waves and the storms that will definitely come at us in our lives. And so on our website, you can go to resources. We're writing a blog. There's blog posts that will be popping up throughout the week. 
taking a deeper dive into some of these things. There's also resources, books. You can just click on them. It's going to take you right to Amazon so you can buy those. A couple of resources that I want to encourage you to lean into. If this sermon hits you and was like, ah, I'm not quite sure. There's a few books I want to push towards you. One is called The Case for Christ. That is a great book for you to read. Another one is Why One Way by John MacArthur. That's a good one for you to read. Here's one that's been really good that I'm uh, reading right now, Confronting Christianity by a lady named Rebecca McLaughlin. And here's one for the teenagers in the house. Ten questions every teen should ask and answer about Christianity. It's an incredible book. It leans into the reality of the cultural tensions that are trying to throw sand into the foundations of our faith. There's also a podcast that a dear friend of ours, that some of you have heard him preach in this house many times. His name is Drew Stedman. There's a podcast that he does with another guy named Mick Murray called Ideology. It's a great podcast where they lean into some of these different truths that we need to make sure that we're clear on and strong about. And if you're here today and you need prayer about anything, I just want to welcome my leaders to just begin to make their way forward. If you're here and you need prayer for something, man, you're going through it, life's been hard, you're in one of those storms that Jesus told us about, you're like, man, the water's rising, the wind's blowing, things are starting to shake, and you need Jesus to come and to meet you, to lean into you and say, I've got you. To strengthen your foundation with a fresh encounter and a fresh touch. If that's you, we want to pray for you. And also, if you're here today and you've never made a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You've never surrendered yourself to him. You've never said, you are the king of my life. You're in charge. I believe that you are who you say that you are. That you did what you said you were going to do. That you died on the cross, rose again, conquering sin and death so that I can have relationship with the living. God, if you've never surrendered your life to that truth, today is your day. And all of our friends up here are ready to pray for you, to answer any questions that you might have, to, to lean into you and say, hey, we're ready to walk this journey out with you. So if you need prayer or if you want to surrender your life to Jesus, we're getting ready to start singing. And as we do, I want you just to respond. Don't let fear stop you from having an encounter with the living God, because God's here to meet us. Amen? God is here to meet us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your tenderness, your gentleness. That even when we're leaning into truth, hard truth, truth that divides and separates and, and makes it clear who you are and who you've called us to be, Lord, I thank you for your mercy and your grace in these moments for us to be able to drink in the love you have for us, the grace you have for us, as we are being obedient to what the word of God has said to us. We love you, Jesus, and we put our hope in you. We put our hope in you. The one God, the one mediator between us and God, Jesus Christ, we love you. We love you.